realize how incredible this is? Welcome to DS9. It's a podcast. <laughs> All right, we are back with another hot episode of DS9 Time with Joe and Thomas. Yes, absolutely. All right. Exciting. Good to be here. Good to have all you listeners out there join us today. Yep. Uh, uh, How did you feel about this episode? Uh, Better. Certainly better than the last episode, which was kind of like being dragged over a giant cheese grater (laughs) while wearing one's birthday suit. Uh, This one was certainly an improvement. Uh, Much, much better. Uh, featured the great actor Wallace Shawn in a featured role as the Grand Nagus Zek, who's basically like the prime minister figure of the Ferengi race. Um, yeah. Yeah, he was fun. Uh, his voice was intense. There was a few, In the very beginning, I was like, uh, can I handle 35 more minutes of uh, this fun? Fun Ferengi voice! Um, but it turned out to be uh, enjoyable because he died. Uh, part part way through the episode, and then, spoiler alert, comes back later. Um, but I enjoyed the episode. I thought that, uh, you know, the bar's pretty low for us at this point. I think, yeah, <laughs> uh, given previous episodes. So, uh, I, I liked the the world building it did with the Ferengi culture building out their mythology and them being, you know, stingy business minded shysters uh, and like sort of, you know shysty business people as a religion for them was interesting. Yeah. There were lots of fun moments that kind of like parsed that out, built on that mythology. The, uh, the set design was improved. There were some new sets, new locations that I enjoyed. Um, yeah, we haven't even named the episode though. What episode is this? Episode 10, the Nagus, the Nagus, the Nagus, which even that, uh, uh, position or title seems Mm -hmm. problematic uh today maybe uh they're throwing around this word what word nagus nagus it's a da- <laughs> is it it feels like a dangerous word <laughs> yeah it feels dangerously close to uh other problematic uh words right well there's there are problematic species and they're given problematic treatment by the star trek universe yeah, this one uh the last one was just a total shit show it was a where mess. you're I was just you know, nonplussed by what even to do with this material. But this one, we went back to our, uh, whatever, meat and potatoes of just um, weird lines mm-hmm. and uh, just strange uh, story elements. Um, like, yeah, you were talking about Ferengi, which have always been kind of an adversarial character or species, but they mm-hmm. went into it a little more, But as which I was glad... They actually did something new that Next Generation or nobody else ever did. But but what they did actually was like even more strange that I was mo- kind of more confused than, than before. Why? Well, because like, <laughs> like, like uh, it just makes you question things about like civilization or, or humans or right. like, like we, we survived by you could human survived on earth you could say by communicating like we don't mm-hmm. have such teeth or claws or whatever but just through we can communicate we can team up and take down like a you know an elephant or something um and then beyond that like a civilization i think i've read somewhere or i don't know, heard something that 
like beyond communication, you have to have like trust and reciprocation between uh, people, which is how like clans formed mm -hmm. and, you know, rivalries where one trust was broken and then you're bitter enemies forever. And so as the Ferengi, they've made it to like the space age and, you know, dominated their planet by being totally dishonest, not only with other species, but even with each other mm -hmm. and even with their own family members. Yeah. So you're kind of like, how did, how did they make it this far? If we like, like we didn't, we wouldn't have made it. No. If yeah. We were like them. I love that. Uh, I love that you, you're thinking about that and how humans sort of got to this point by cooperation and sort of community. Whereas the, the Ferengi got there by way of, like you said, uh, mistrust and self-interested shysterism. Yeah. And yeah, that's sort of, that's kind of the, the whole basis for this episode and even the sort of subplot of Cisco's son Jake's relationship with Nog, who's a Ferengi boy. Uh, you know, there's even a little speech in there about how the two species evolved very differently and, you know, there's not a lot of common ground there. So, you know, ditch the Ferengi boy because they're an awful species, basically. But, you know, by the end of the episode, Cisco has a little bit of growth and sees that, you know, Nog maybe can be a good boy. And that his relationship with Jake maybe isn't such a bad thing. Mm. Um, O'Brien, though, still remains pretty racist against the Ferengi, I believe. Because in the very beginning of the episode, remember, he was, uh, he was substitute teaching in his wife, uh, uh, wife's uh, classroom. What's his wife's name? Kumiko, is it? No. Keiko. 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 He was substitute teaching because Keiko was on Earth. And uh, he was not kind to the Ferengi boy. Very gruff. Yeah. Uh, and then later he counsels Cisco to like, you know, keep your kid clear of that Ferengi boy because they're just no good as a species, basically, which is pretty rough. So maybe someday he'll have that personal growth, which will allow him to see the value in the uh, Ferengi's uh, value. Get it? That's kind of a Ferengi sort of thing. Um, yeah, there was lots of uh, lots of racism, I thought, especially yeah. between like uh, Cisco and his son, where Jake has a more enlightened view of... of uh, you know, Nog is the is the uh, son of uh, Quark's brother, mm -hmm. and Jake is more empathetic. It's not it's not his fault. He, you know, he can think and speak like anybody. Mm -hmm. And then Cisco's like, well, you know, hey, <laughs> like, <laughs> like shrug, like that's it. And uh, it's just like that is goes in the basket of like another bizarre um, t turn. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's continuing in the, uh, Star Trek tradition of having us, uh, helping us question our own prejudice, prejudices, uh, in our culture by, you know, presenting prejudices in fantasy culture, uh, makes it more interesting that, you know, Cisco and his son are African-American, uh, interacting with this species that is, you know, very sort of discriminated against. And, uh, you know, makes it interesting. Adds sort of a layer of complexity that I enjoy. Yeah. The um, Another thing was that makes you just question how evolution and civilization happens where Nog is going to this school. They're also sexist against uh, the teacher is female. They're like, what the fuck are you doing there? Yes. Um, and yeah. Uh, yeah, double racism, a human female as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, he, Nog or whoever catches hell because of that. Mm -hmm. And then um, what the dad says like, no studying, absolutely not. And you're kind of like, how 
if, 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 you know, verbal communication is how we survive like a tiger attack, but then when writing and books, you know, when, when, when populations of people became literate, then it's like, okay, now we can like have mass communication and mass Mm -hmm. information sharing. Then we're like really on fire to like dominate the, the whole planet. Like, it's like, how the hell did the Ferengi, like, they don't believe in reading? Like, how everything is just word of mouth? Or how... uh, I know. And if Nog doesn't read, does that mean the rest of them can't read? Like... I don't (laughs) know. Well, Well, we know they can count because they like to count money. Right. Uh, I would think that reading would go sort of like part and parcel with that. Uh, Yeah, because if you don't read, then literally everything has to be explained to you, like handed down to you, like mm -hmm. oral traditions and... Mm -hmm or visual teachers is, but like, well, <laughs> I mean, how did you make it to make building spaceships? Like every spaceship is built from the next builder, literally watching the guy, the first the other guy <laughs> you, you, that's handed down orally how to build yeah. a spaceship. Uh, I think it's probably just a function of the vastness of the universe that, you know, it's so big that even a culture that uh, doesn't value, you know, community or reading uh, can make it to the space age. Yeah. 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 Our universe is so big that anything and everything that could happen does happen somewhere in the universe, uh, which is a fun thought that I like to believe is true um, because the universe is limitless. Uh, pretty much people think and the numbers of solar systems or the numbers of galaxies is for all, you know, intents and purposes also limitless. Mm. So, yeah, I think there's actually a Ferengi species out there that's uh, got the brow and the lobes and the, uh, you know, penchant for yep business oriented religion so like uh oh i did think of one thing like hmm. do they have like if they're against reading or whatever then don't they have some kind of telepathic powers or something or was that a thing i, I remember i remember one thing where i don't think they do because they've but but like counselor troy like can't sense a ferengi they're they're too oh she can't read their mind or something like that that was a th- i don't remember she probably I'm... said something like they're so materialistic captain that i cannot read their thought yeah i don't remember that i don't think i uh saw that particular episode i'm not picking up any sort of you know uh supernatural thing going on with their brains i think they're pretty pretty base pretty base yeah which is racist of me to say and <laughs> it was also racist for me to make that money counting comment uh, a while ago, but hey, uh, I'm 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 growing, and this episode's going to help me grow, just like Cisco grows. So uh, here's a clip I have. You brought up that uh, mm-hmm. classroom scene where O'Brien's a, the sub yeah. of this random collection of like teenagers to like toddlers, yeah, or whatever. And he's got like grease on his hands. He's just coming from like keeping vital systems working, and he's like, ah, oh, they're making me squeeze in this teaching gig, even though I'm like, you know the one person responsible for keeping life support working on the base station. Yeah. <laughs> it's also funny how like his wife hasn't had like a scene in, I don't know how many weeks or whatever, but, I know. Uh, and, and O'Brien's been away. I think he was doing something else. And then he comes back to, I mean, the actor came back. And so now he's literally subbing in for his, his wife's character, but also must, she's probably somewhere else too doing something another show or something yes probably would you think yeah i would say so she's probably off doing law and order an episode of law and order or something no um which maybe is a better gig so this is one where like yeah nog gets caught with no homework and 
you know, O'Brien mm-hmm. just sees through him until he he gets convinced mm-hmm. by his excuse. So here, so check this out. Okay. You're saying Vulcans stole your homework? Yes, sir. Any idea why? <laughs> because they don't have ethics? <laughs> All right, that's enough. It's the truth. Ask Jake. He was with me. Go on. Tell him. Mm, I guess so. That influence. You guess so. Yes, Vulcans ate his homework. Yeah. They took it. I was there. (laughs) All right. But I want that essay in tomorrow. Is that understood? Yes. He knows. O'Brien knows. O'Brien knows the truth. But (laughs) it's like... He's like... (laughs) What? It's just so weird. It's just so crazy. It's like... That Vulcan's like a, Vulcan stole his homework. I like the idea. I kind of like the writing there. That's like you know a Star Trek take on you know the dog ate my homework. Vulcan stole my homework. Uh, yeah. So I thought that was kind of a fun moment when O'Brien's like Vulcans stole your homework. Yeah, the fun phrase. You could put that on a T-shirt. Vulcans stole my homework. But it's just so funny that he like if you know if you're a teacher and you're like there's like you know 15 people 15 kids. Everybody's laughing. They know he's full of shit. Like everybody knows. Yeah. And then when Jake, who's the boss's son, that's what that's what I, maybe I thought it was. The boss's oh, yeah. You know, I think you're right. yeah, a guy who mm-hmm. works for my dad. I saw it. And Ryan's like, well, all right, all right. I think O'Brien's tomorrow. probably just thinking like it's too much trouble. I'm not gonna pursue this any further. I'll just let him turn it in tomorrow. Because if I punish Nog, then I gotta punish the boss's son, and that's a whole kind of worms. I just don't want to go in. Open it. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's just so. It's like the lamest. And uh, Jake's like, yeah, I, I guess so. It's like, you guess so. I was, okay. I saw it or yeah, something. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, so that was. I don't know. Yeah, well, Jake needs to work on his uh, his deception sort of index because uh, he's pretty lackadaisical, kind of slumpy shouldered in his lying. He needs to uh, step it up. Yep. And learn something from the Ferengi because, you know, there is a place uh, for deception, mm. uh, even for good people. Yep. Um, so, like, uh, where else do I got? I guess we can... Um, the, uh, Quark is, like, kind of the main main deal in this one, I, I, I feel like. and um, Yeah, this is his episode, kind of. Um, yeah, it all kind of revolves around him. I guess we haven't really synopsized the episode. I'll give just like a little yeah. two-sentence synopsis. Right, so this this higher up in the, the highest up in a Ferengi civilization visits the space station uh, and asks Quark if he can, you know, hold this summit in his bar where he's going to name his successor as the prime minister of Ferengi City. Uh, what's the name for it? The Nagus, the Grand Nagus, the new Grand Nagus of the Ferengi. And he announces that it's going to be Quark. Yeah. And then uh, hijinks ensue from there. Yes, and the Grand Nagus' character is played, as I mentioned earlier, also by the great Wallace Shawn, who all of you will remember uh, from The Princess Bride. Mm. With his famous uh, 
catchphrase inconceivable yeah <laughs> um he's a very fun fun little guy fun actor yep uh very lovable um he was very interesting in this in this episode i've got a couple clips to play later of some of his vocal moments some of his uh uh, sort of uh, vocal acrobatics, ba- vocal acrobatics he was doing playing this Ferengi character. Yeah, I have the first scene where he even you know is introduced, where some uh, hollow virtual sex brokering is how we are <laughs> how we're shown to him. So here's a check this out. My father will reveal the purpose of his visit when he sees fit. As for now, he desires the use of a holo suite. He's heard that some of your programs are quite. Alluring. Oh, they are. They are. But uh, they may prove a touch energetic for his advanced years. Okay. I think we all all know what uh, we're talking about here. (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so Quark is worried about his holographic whores giving the president a heart attack. Yeah. Being too uh, vigorous in their. uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And like, and then you get a look at the camera cuts to the, the Nagus himself. And, uh, you know, he looks like, you know, a, uh, uh, his, his, his head is like a, a, a scrotum. <laughs> it is. It's very wrinkly. It's very wrinkly. It's got some, you know, fuzz. It's got some fuzz, some disturbing, oh my God. uh, gray hair growing out of his giant, giant ears. Yeah. Um, Yeah. <laughs> That was not the only disturbing thing related to this scene, because uh, you know he does avail the Negus does uh, avail himself of the Hollow Suite um, later, and uh, we're treated to not you know images of what's going on inside the Hollow Suite, but the sounds of it for sure. So I'd like to play this clip for you. It's mostly an audio clip. All right. Uh, and this is the Grand Grand Negus uh, in his Hollow Suite, as overheard by Quark okay. outside the Hollow Suite. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, that's the Grand Negus's sort of erotic giggling as he's being pleasured up in the Hollow Suite. Oh my God! Um, which I found to be a little bit disturbing, and it uh, it we have a reprise of that that moment a little later in the episode. Maybe I'll play it later, but yes, that's sort of horny giggle from the decrepit scrotal Ferengi leader <laughs> was kind of disturbing to me. Yeah. Um, you have to see, like, he has so much makeup on, and you just, like, wonder, like, how much did he get paid for this one cameo? Like, I mean, his voice is a cameo. Like, that's just all you need. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. he's like, uh, like, I wonder, like, yeah, that's just, it, it seems like kind of, I don't know, like, is that a thing, do you think? Like, I gotta, I gotta put, how, how many hours of makeup on? You know, you gotta pay me more. Like, why do I, right. why do I care to do this one yeah. character once? Well, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the show I think was fairly high profile at the time. It was a new Star Trek show. Um, and yeah, he probably got a very nice sort of uh, guest starring fee for appearing in this episode hmm. um, for a couple weeks work, you know, one or two weeks work, I would say. Yep. Um, yeah. And he's not like a megastar or anything, but he's known. Yep. Um, and I bet he, he enjoyed it. He probably like Star Trek. Oh, uh, I'm glad he did it because it's a, it's a good it's a good episode. It's a good episode. I was wondering if um, so I got a picture here of of Quark without the makeup on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, if you look at him, like he looks like uh, uh like a like gnomish or uh, mm-hmm. kind of 
leprechaun. He's got a look. Guy. But yeah, he looks a little bit elvish to me, like yeah. like a Lord of the Rings elf or something. Uh, yeah, I think that's they 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 choose actors who've got a particular look, a sort of interesting look. Yep. Um, an uncommon look uh, to play their uh, their aliens in heavy makeup. His brother. Um, Quirk's brother is also a very interesting looking guy uh, in real life I think I did not google image search him but uh, he's got a great look and a great look to to play uh, a Ferengi for sure mm. I like that character his brother he's kind of like this dopey sort of kind of uh, less confident kind of dude yeah uh, who gains confidence gains confidence by the end of the episode because he tries to uh, spoiler alert assassinate Quark by blowing him out an airlock yeah it's 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 crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I was also wondering if uh, maybe this was an early sort of occurrence of that sort of, you know, science fiction threat of blowing him out the nearest airlock, which, of course, appeared in like every episode of uh, Battlestar Galactica, which I love. Take this thing and blow him out the nearest airlock. Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm wondering if that appeared in other shows because it wasn't in Next Generation or the original Star Trek that I can remember. I don't think they had airlocks on the ship. You mean push, uh, like trapping someone somewhere and then opening the door and they get sucked out? Yes, and they get sucked out. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, I don't think yeah. so. I'm wondering if this is. I'm wondering if this might have been the sort of invention of that particular concept. Maybe this episode. I think it's because like um, uh, the freaking. You know, the Enterprise, they would open, he would like open the window of, of the whole ship and there's like a force field there. A force field. And they'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's just, you know, we can open anything and it's we can look at space and we're safe. Yeah. They don't have that aboard the Deep Space Nine because it's a dump. Yeah. Uh, they just have doors, steel doors. Right. <laughs> um, what was I just going to say? Like, uh, oh yeah, one thing about uh, Quark's makeup, he has all this darkness around his eyeballs, which makes his, maybe his eyes mean more white and more like visible or more expressive maybe because mm-hmm. his brother um rom like does not have that he's just like this kind of like beady eyed little like i don't know scoundrel <laughs> like hmm. guy so i wonder if uh uh yeah they throw that dark makeup on on quark to make his his eyes more uh, i don't know like i don't know more i don't know more pop out or something yeah, I think they do. Well, he's got crazy eyes. Uh, you know, anytime I anytime I stop on an image of uh, Quark uh, while I'm loading up a queue, it's always like, whoa, crazy eyes. Uh, you can see a lot of white on the top and bottom uh, above his above and below his pupils. Right. Um, yeah, the, the, the Ferengi looks are nice and varied, I think, because, you know, uh, Quark and his brother do look relatively different. And same can be said, of course, of the Grand Nagus and Quark. Um, so yeah, the Ferengi people are not a monolith. They are, you know, they've got varied uh, aspects to uh, themselves as individuals. Yeah. Also, like, why does Quark not have that thing on his head? The little, like, psh, the little curtain, cranial curtain <laughs> that everybody else has, but he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't? Oh, you're no. right. Yeah. Even the boy has it. Even the son has it. A little mini one. But he... Right, it's like a permanent like cranial curtain <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> embedded in the back of their skull, which I always assumed was there because they just couldn't figure out a good way to make the back of their head fit into their body. So it was like yeah. just ma- masking that sort of awkward part of a costume. But you're right. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I don't know why he doesn't have that cranial curtain. 
I got the uh, death scene you mentioned <laughs> here, where like yes, the yeah the the Nagus uh, says Quark is the next mm-hmm. the next one, and he's gonna retire and mm-hmm. go like um go and uh, go on vacation to Riza, which is often said the vacation spot for Next Generation, which which um what Easter egg? Uh, that's where Riza is where is where Picard met. Uh, Vosh, the Indiana Jones oh. character, and she ran into him there because she had a Ferengi boyfriend she was running away from, or something, mm-hmm. or scamming. Okay, and so interesting. I don't know, throwback to that, but well done. Well, I thought points for Joe. I thought this was funny. His death scene here. Check it out. And yes. remember, when in doubt, eight replas. Yes, I can do that. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh okay listener he just like died suddenly and very comically by just kind of like freezing and then just like slumping forward just ever so slightly yeah um, his hands very very yes and like his hands were kind of clawed forward yeah <laughs> i didn't notice how funny that was <laughs> um it's very very reminiscent and, and pro- almost certainly a direct homage to Wallace Shawn's death in The Princess Bride, if you remember. Oh. You know. Never go up against a Thethelion when death is on the line. <laughs> and then he keels over. Yeah. Um, so another sudden, comical, silent death for this actor, because he does it so well. Yeah. Uh, so that was definitely a tribute to that moment in Princess Bride, which I enjoyed. Yeah, it makes me laugh. That was not the only cinematic tribute in the the episode also. Ooh. I'll skip ahead a little bit. Yep. So quite a bit later after, you know, the Nagus keels over as we just heard. Uh Quark is actually a fully functioning, you know, Grand Nagus himself and he's like, you know, swishing about the uh the space station in flowy gowns with his, you know, special staff that looks like, you know, a bust of yogurt from Spaceballs. Yeah. And he's, you know, being lobbied by special interests already. And he's sort of like taking meetings in his darkened office with his like two henchmen in there. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's having this one particular meeting uh, sitting behind his desk. I'll go ahead and play it and maybe I'll talk over a little bit. He's behind his desk. Uh, The room is dim. He's uh, stroking this little alien Tell me, Nava, on his lap. When Zek announced I was to succeed him. And uh Will you please the scene uh and the set No Nagus is very much a tribute to the Godfather in our introduction to Did you come to me Don and Corleone. offer your support? If you remember we first meet him, he's in his office with the blinds. Is he no, the blinds? Is he the blinds behind uh Cork there? It's like identical to identical imagery to uh you know Don Corleone's office mm-hmm. in his New York home. Uh, where he's stroking the kitten, he gets up, and he's sort of, you know, talking like a Don to this person who's coming to him for a favor. Um, yep. So I enjoyed that a lot. This whole scene is very Godfather-ish in a playful and fun way, which uh, I appreciated. I was uh, like, what the heck? When the the camera is pointing at a guy talking, and then it backs up, and then quark's head like enter the back of his head enters it i thought mm-hmm. oh is that is that godfathery where uh it might be you know i don't the, have the because it's just a shot of a person talking and then as it backs up this blurry blurry mm-hmm. blob enters and it's like oh it, that's the listening guy mm-hmm. and i 
I thought maybe that was in God. I'll bet that shot is, you know, taken directly from the movie. I don't have uh, a close enough memory of uh, the Godfather to confirm that, but sounds like it probably is. Yeah. Um, and the alien little pet that he has is so mm-hmm. weird. It's like a. It's really it, gross looking. I don't think it's even moving. It's like a. Like no. A, rat lizard or something yeah it's like a rat lizard lobster thing that he's you know stroking on his lap um and i guess not so subtle of a you know homage to the godfather but i enjoyed it anyway and uh let's see to i have only one more to wrap up the nagus and quark uh Oh, actually, no, I got I got two more. So one thing okay. about the Nagus is he has this assistant. Yes, his manservant. Yeah, yeah. And so this is a visual one again. But here they're using chopsticks to eat like maggots, and I guess I know, Ferengi so food is like bugs and stuff. Yeah. But the assistant, I thought you should check out. So the assistant too is another form of scrotum, man. He is. Oh my god, his is so, sort of like I just, you know, climbed out of a very cold lake kind of scrotum face. <laughs> it's pretty. Yeah, it's so a little like, clenched. Tight this wrinkles. Guy's, this guy's makeup. The today's makeup guy is just like. I just imagine him being an artist who does like a series, does does different series based on different right. forms or whatever. He's right. Like, this for this show, I see I see scrotums everywhere. Right. He's like Georgia <laughs> O'Keeffe, but rather than flowers, you know, looking like female parts, it's everything is a scrotum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that guy, I don't think he has any lines. He's just a dude. Mm-mm. He's just a uh, tall, like, tall, blue-haired manservant, drink-of-water kind of guy. I like him. Yeah. <laughs> um, And then I got one more for the Nagus to wrap up the Nagus uh, uh, storyline. Okay. Um, And uh, he so he, he comes back. He's actually not dead, and it was mm-hmm. all a test. It was all a test for his son that I don't even really understand what what was the test. But uh, here, let's check this out. Don't you recognize your father? You died. I saw it happen. You saw me under adult Marquis sleeping grants. May hard you taught it to me. But why, father? It was a test to see if you were ready to take my place. And you failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, that miserably. Is miserably. Oh, how did they, um, yeah, the Princess Bride, what a, like, significant work. Yeah. Just film or something, I don't know. Uh, Andre the Giant, I guess, is in there, mm-hmm. right? And... Yes, Carrie Elway's Mandy Patinkin. Oh, yep. And, of course, Robin Wright. Right. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Definitely uh, Wallace Shawn's biggest role, that film, for sure. You like uh, The Princess Bride? Did you watch it when you were a kid? Yeah, we like we had it on tape, and it was just like, it was just awesome. It was like, uh, the music was good. Yeah, so much fun. Um, What's his name? Fred Savage was in it, and... Uh, mm-hmm. That's right. Like... Uh, actually, that's a good topic. It made me think again how the grandpa comes over there. I'm like, whose grandpa is this? Whose grandpa does this? And maybe you would know that more because when I was a boy, our grandpa was seemed already like 
you know, 80 years old, like he was yeah. already just like uh, older, but still busy mm-hmm. that um, you see shows where there's, there's three kids or something and then grandparents come over and I'm like, huh, so I guess other families have like three kids only, but my fa- my family has like 50 grandkids. <laughs> so, so like, so uh, yeah, that was another, yeah. F- another like foreign thing for me, that movie. Right. Well, we had we have such a big extended family. Uh, Joe and I's moms are part of a sibling group of seven, and all of those seven kids had multiple kids. So we've got like yeah, fifty to seventy cousins, something like that, yeah. Uh, yeah. including second cousin or uh, once removed and whatnot. So yeah, there were uh, you know uh, more dividends of uh, grandparently affection uh, uh, to to split up. So. We- Maybe those families where there are fewer grandchildren, those kids got a little more sort of grandparently affection than, than we did. Yeah. Also, our grandparents were, you know, they weren't super cuddly necessarily. <laughs> Wonderful people, but they didn't sort of like cuddle up with kids and read a book on the couch. My mom does that with uh, my nieces and nephews, which is lovely. It's great. I love it. Yeah. Good choice of words with the uh, dividends because that yeah. was the <laughs> closest uh, affection we got where like cash was uh, doled out. <laughs> An envelope with a fifty dollar bill in it on Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To the to the shareholders of the the clan. Um but yeah, that oh, movie that great uh like the sword fighting was in there. Um uh, mm-hmm. like the weird Yeah, it was just awesome. And then yeah, just that guy's voice. <laughs> when speaking of that scene, I knew this was com- com- was comical when he's just ah ha 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 ah ha ha mm-hmm. and then he's he gets thrown sideways. Like I thought for a long time <laughs> that he gets kicked. Like the guy kicks him under the table, oh. <laughs> and at the same time, it's when he's he he knew that it was poison. He knew it was going to happen because I was always like, how does he fall to the side like that? <laughs> right, because <laughs> he gets it's I don't know. No, he just violently keels over because of the poison. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. So, but what is the test that Nagus is talking about? He's like, right. I was testing you and you failed well, miserably. He was, <laughs> he was testing his own son's sort of worth uh, to see how he would handle it, you know, once he's gone and if he would be sort of ready to, you know, assume command. Although you would think he would do that by putting his son in charge and observing yeah, well, how he handles it. What was he supposed to do? Not kill Quark? He was supposed to be like, oh, yeah, like, uh, yep. Hey, new boss, I have yeah. anything you need. It's like, well, how does that... Yeah. He says, the Grand Negus says, you know, or the, his son says, you know, I thought you, you'd be pleased. I was seizing power. And then the Grand Negus, Zek, says, you know, you don't seize power. You sort of slowly collect it about around you until one day, all of a sudden, you have all the power, but nobody noticed you take it or something like that. So he was oh. too aggressive. Too aggressive in trying to, you know, assassinate negus quark and uh seize power that way huh um, okay well that's such a specific way it's a little to specific do... and it's a little wishy-washy yeah <laughs> like well if it leads to the same result why do you <laughs> i didn't quite fail it miserably i kind of was on the right track <laughs> yeah <laughs> what the hell i know plus another odd thing is that there's no consequences for uh the negus's son and quark's own brother trying to assassinate him multiple times yeah. Uh, in the end, you know, Quark is actually like impressed that his brother wanted to murder him, and he likes him more, and he gives him a promotion at the bar. 
But you would think that Odo and the security team on the Deep Space Nine would be like, hey, this guy just tried to murder one of our crew people by blowing him out an airlock, so we're going to do something about that, but it's just kind of let go because they're just Ferengis, you know? Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah. Um, what the hell? Uh... <laughs> like that is true i didn't think of that like people in attempted murder is okay like you didn't actually yeah. do it His attempted murder of a head of state uh yeah um speaking of odo he got hot to the you know on the trail because he saw mm-hmm. the scrotal assistant like he did see the scrotal assistant lumbering around <laughs> and Odo's head turns like if anyone's gonna walk around creeping everyone out it's gonna be me and he starts, <laughs> he starts following him like it, he he walked the scrotal guy walks around very Odo like and that that mm-hmm. raises his spider sense like what the hell is this asshole looking like me I'm after I'm gonna follow this guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah and we don't see exactly what happens uh he, we see him following him and then all of a sudden you know uh, Odo is there saving Quark from being blown out the airlock and the Nagus is sort of right behind him. So I guess pr- presumably Odo followed a uh, blue-haired uh, hunky manservant and uh, found that he was meeting with the Grand Nagus and he was like, oh, I see you're still alive. You'd better come with me. Uh, and then they both mm. saved Quark together and Nagus revealed himself to his son and then chastised him. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So like speaking of scrotum, can we, can we let's uh let's tease out this sort of scrotum appearances <laughs> and scrotal <What>? references. <laughs> let's just let's just uh let's hammer down into that a little bit further because uh, there is actually um I'm gonna go ahead and pull it up right now. I've got a little clip here. Uh, oh, that is a direct a, <laughs> a direct a direct scrotal sort of reference. Uh, one of the characters makes in very comical fashion, I think. Um, and it doesn't have to do with their. Oh, makeup. yep. Um, <laughs> you know the one. Yes, he's. Uh, this is when, as I mentioned earlier, Quark, Quark ends up being impressed by his brother that he tried to kill him. So he's like telling him how proud he is. So, Ron, you were gonna toss me out an airlock. Forgive me, brother. Forgive you? Why, brother? I didn't think you had the lobes. <laughs> All right, there it is. Yeah. I didn't think you had the lobes. Uh, yeah. Which is obviously, you know, euphemism for balls. Um, anyway, that kind of cracks me up. And uh, yeah, scrotal. Uh, strange. We're just talking a lot about scrotal. <laughs> yeah, the ears, the engorged ears are the ero- erogenous zone. It is. Source mm-hmm. of male, male power and... And the source of Kirk, source of one's courage as well. There was another moment earlier where um, they're waiting on somebody to arrive at the conference, and one of the Ferengi says, "Well, he better get his ears in here right now." Uh, so, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah, instead of ass, he says ears. Which I kind of liked those little writing flourishes. I thought it was cute. Speaking of the Princess Bride, there was one part where um, Quark is like over laughing about how his brother's like, "How about I take over the bar?" And Quark's like, "Ah ha 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 ha! Ah ha ha! Yes." <laughs> and I'm like, is is that what that is that Princess Brideish or to the to the death thing? Like he does it, uh, it and it was also similar to the last episode, the please Yes. Please Yes please. All right, that's enough. <laughs> he even says please again in the He same does voice. when he's in the airlock, when he's in the airlock pleading with his brother and uh, the Negus's son to not kill him. He does the please again twice. He goes, please. 
please, please. So yeah. I'm expecting that to be an every episode thing where at some point <laughs> in the episode, uh, Quark is going to be pleading with somebody for something, some act of mercy, and he's going to scream, please, uh, using the full extent of his voice and sort of emotional range. Mm. Uh, and I love it. It's fun. Hey, what the hell? <laughs> Swing for the fences. So the Nagus is, you know, uh, uh, he's interested in the Gamma Quadrant, but mm-hmm. whatever. He's, uh, I don't even know. He's a, he's done. <laughs> he was testing his son. Yes. Um, but then we get back to the other, I don't know, subplot or whatever, which is the Jake and mm-hmm. Nog plot, where there's kind of a Romeo and Juliet kind of uh, thing going on. Where there is, isn't there? They want to be together, but their parents just won't allow it. Mm-hmm. And they're just too different. And they just are together sharing their melancholy for each other <laughs> or something. <laughs> there is. I think there definitely is. Um, mm. And uh, anyway, you go on. Then I'll chime in later. Uh, this clip was one of the best writing. Maybe, maybe that's why I have a good uh, opinion of this episode. Because here's one of the best writing the best exchanges of the whole series so far where okay. Jake and Nog are talking about how Nog got pulled out of school because mm-hmm. he, cause his dad got hammered by the Nagus and right. Jake's trying to like, you know, well, I don't know, let's work it out. So here. I don't belong there. Don't you want to learn things? You mean like ethics? Yeah. And other stuff. You don't understand. I'm a Ferengi. For me, school is a waste of time. Why is that? Because there's no profit in it. So why are you getting mad at me? Because you're a stupid human. I don't know why I bother with you. I'm stupid. You're the one not going to school. Oh, like. <laughs> it's a good scene. <laughs> Just like, you're. I'm the dumb one. You're the dumbass who's not even, what? what? <laughs> so like, I thought he had that sick burn uh, to, yes. his, to his friend. Yeah, it was good. It was yeah. I, I I was I was impressed by the the Nog and Jake storyline. I thought it was uh, kind of touching and real. Um, and yeah, that's very astute to call it like a sort of Romeo and Juliet thing. Sort of two people from two different clashing cultures that uh, they want to hang out together, but uh, everybody's trying to pull them apart. You know. Mm. Um, I like the actor that plays Nog too. I think he's good. I, I like the way he talks. Uh, and the way he emotes um, and the things he does with his face. Uh, I appreciate him. Aaron Eisberg is his name. Um, yeah, he seems pretty good. little, but he seems older than Jake. Right. Like, well, interestingly, he's uh, he's one of those actors who, you know, played children characters when he was older. Um, I think he had some sort of some sort of uh, physical condition that made him appear younger. Uh Oh, wow. Much much the same as, like, you know, other folks did, like, you know, Webster and, uh, what's his name, Different Strokes. Really? Um, yeah. So much so that it, he actually uh, passed away at a very young age, I think, because of that condition that made him appear so young. Oh, wow. He's um, gone? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure exactly how, but it, I think it was, you know, related to his health condition that made him, you know, be able to play these child characters when he was an adult. Hmm. But I appreciate his performance. I think he's good. Yeah. Again, Um, though, I'm just like, how the hell? Like, there's no profit in learning. Like, what do you, how do you, like, if, 
I mean, if you want to make money, you want to like, sell stuff, you have to like know how to do it. And yeah. <laughs> like what does, what do they think? What are they talking about? Like I know. And learn about other cultures, you know, I would think that the Ferengi would benefit from learning about other cultures in school so that when they encounter those cultures, they can more, you know, successfully rip them off. Yeah. Um, and enrich themselves. So yeah, the, the logic there and the, and the writing doesn't quite add up. You're right. You're right. A little bit. Um, so then I got another clip of a uh, first Cisco trying to confront the situation. Cause he, cause he doesn't like Nog. He doesn't like Ferengis. And uh, mm-hmm. he's just so not like Picard where Picard will treat everyone differently or as whatever the case by case, mm-hmm. which is kind of the difference between like maybe the Vulcans were like, no, no, it's just, this is it. We figured it out. This is the policy. And it, like the the ultra strict rigid process that works where yeah if everyone follows it it's smooth but uh, mm-hmm. picard is like well we have to we have to yeah it's, sure it's cumbersome or burdensome but we have to look at everything totally differently i guess and uh, cisco is just not that oh um so here's where cisco says like hey well he he wants them to break up so he doesn't and it, this is another thing. Cisco's trying to get in there. Like, hey, remember when you were a boy? Don't you want to bond? I'm trying to get in, trying to get on board with you becoming an adult. And mm-hmm. then he's Jake shares with him or confides in him how like, you know, Nog's from like a screwed up culture and he doesn't seem to want to be with that. So what should I do? And Cisco's like, well, that's, uh, you know, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, what the, I know. What the hell? It's Nog's problem. <laughs> yeah. I know. Cisco's totally a dick earlier. For sure. And, uh, you know, at the root of it is his prejudice against the Ferengi. Well, also his just short-sighted view of like, okay, so I want to get them apart. So here's my chance to just to to kind of not help them get together. It's like your overall goal is to create a good adult human. So Mm -hmm. it's not, it's just. Uh, I think there's. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of panic going on behind Cisco's actions regarding uh, uh, Quark. I mean, sorry, sorry, Nog, Nog and Jake's relationship. Um, it's not there in the text, but I'm pretty sure it's there in the subtext that there's a little bit of a sort of gay son panic as well. What? Um, oh, well, wow. for sure. I'm. Let me pull up this scene and, and I'll play it, and you'll you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, it's when Cisco once again is being like the desperate dad, like, "Hey, play some ball with your old man." Hey, let's go to this weird uh, fire fire concert on the surface, which is like he's trying way too hard, first of all. Oh. He needs to pump the brakes and not be so desperate, okay? Don't be so thirsty for me, Dad, really. Um, but let me play this clip. I'm going to pull it up. It's at uh, 31, 40-something. 31, 43. Sorry, I had it up earlier, but then I didn't think I was going to play it. Uh, it's definitely sort of some yeah gay son panic going on when... He asked him to go do some father-son time, and the kid's like, uh, I can't. I'm going to go do something with uh, Nog. And you'll you'll see what happens. Listen to the language. The language is key. You were out pretty late last night. A what? You came in after midnight. Uh, I guess I got kind of busy doing stuff. What kind of stuff? Nothing important. Just hanging around. With Nog? We weren't doing anything wrong. Good. Then you can tell me all about it. I can't. Mm-hmm. It's private. Private. 
Uh, I gotta go. I'll be late for school. I want you home in time for dinner, understood? Anyway, there you have it. Yes, I think it's there. He's like, I was spending time with Nog. What were you doing? And the kid's like, very nervous and looking kind of ashamed. He says, it's private. Um, so, I don't know. If I was the dad, I'd be like, uh, what do you mean, private? Yeah, that is... Um, <laughs> well done to not, you know, ask him to elaborate, I suppose, because he didn't want to know. Um... But yeah, I think it's there a little bit, uh, mm. a little bit of gay panic in Cisco's motivations. And then later, you know, when Cisco decides to go out and find uh, Jake wherever he is, and he's like, "Computer, tell me where Jake is." And Jake's and the computer says that Jake's in some loading dock or whatever. And he goes to find him, and he finds Jake and Nog together in the loading dock. Uh, but Jake is, of course, teaching Nog how to read, and that's the thing they were doing in secret. Um, but for a moment there, it was definitely like, "What's he gonna catch them doing?" Mm. Um, anyway. I think it's there in the subtext. Um, I guess I thought I would only, I only didn't think that because like he talks about chicks so much. I know, I know. And there's even a moment in this episode where Jake and Nog are like leering at some female as she walks by in the corridor, which I thought was kind of gross. Oh yeah. I had to, I had to rewind that. I was like, what, what are they looking at? And uh, then no, that's that moment is there to like remind us. No, they're straight. They like, you know, women. (laughs) But they're kind of doing both. They're like playing with like oh, doing man. a little bit of a sort of like gay element in the subtext. And then at the same time, they're like, no, don't worry. They, they like women. Don't wow. <laughs> um, yeah. That, it's a, like a Vulcan Starfleet woman walks by like very mm-hmm. uh, uh, like, I don't know, rocking back and forth mm-hmm. walk like uh, uh, switching a little bit. Catwalk watch. Mm-hmm. Um. Dang. Yeah. Um, I thought that was an interesting element there in the subtext. Um, so here's, oh, wait, here's my clip about where he lamely doesn't try to actually help his son deal with something that's bothering him. He just, like, mm-hmm. is fine with it to just, like, fall, fall apart. It's Nog. His father's pulled him out of school. I see. It's not fair. Nog can't even read. School's not going to be much fun without him. You can still get together with him after school. Maybe. I don't think he wants to be my friend anymore. Did he say why? He says humans and Ferengis don't get along. Usually they don't. But you're the one always saying that we should make friends with other cultures. I believe that, and I'm glad you believe it too. But human values and Ferengi values are very different. We've never been able to form a common bond. So Nog goes his way and I go mine. These things happen. Hey. <laughs> no, Cisco. No, these things don't have to happen. Jeez. Yeah, it's so stupid. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's like Ferengi cut values and these and so we're just you're just you know, printed with values on your in your DNA. It's like I know. Uh, what's the I know. Of, what's the point of I school? Know. Or it's not progressive thinking. Um yeah, plus yeah. it's like, actually the Ferengis and the humans have almost everything in common. They certainly have, you know, more in common than humans do with the crystalline entity, which is another life form out in the universe. It's like, <laughs> they're humanoids, they have arms, legs, noses, eyes, ears. Yep. Um, they speak the common language. Um, yeah. So, come on, Cisco. Uh, open your mind, open your heart. Yeah, so just a totally not Picard situation. <laughs> yeah. Where, like, yeah. Uh, you know, Data's always getting advice. Like, Captain, why are we bothering with these people? I mean, who cares? <laughs> and Picard's like, well, 
that's the thing you just you gotta <laughs> care about everything all the time Dale's like mm-hmm. huh okay yeah <laughs> and then goes away well that's something that i think i could say that uh deep space nine has that next generation didn't is that you know cisco is a flawed character we see that from the very beginning of the show because he's like a broken guy who was mourning the loss of his wife and he you know kind of flies off the handle and has all these uh, command issues um but in this episode yeah he starts out uh being more prejudiced against the ferengi than when it ends and by the end of the episode he like wants jake to be with nog and you know have a friendship uh so it's a little bit of personal growth the character has um and i think mm. that's totally deliberate that cisco is a more flawed character than uh picard for sure Hmm. Um, although Picard grew too, he was very mean and prickly to Wesley in the early episodes and he warmed up to him. So that was a bit of personal growth, I suppose. Yep. Um, actually now I got this other clip of Nog and Jake where speaking of those, uh, uh, overtones of they've mm-hmm. got a deeper than friendship, uh, little something, something going on. Uh, <laughs> I caught this, this shot. Uh, here you go. Yeah, totally romantic, right? I, I know there's a... Go ahead. It wasn't important. I guess humans and Ferengis don't have a lot to talk about. That's what my father says. Mine too. That doesn't mean they're right. We always had stuff to talk about before. So, what do you say? You still want to be friends? Yes. Oh. <laughs> that's yeah. nice that's nice this is where they make up yeah it's good and the camera sh- pans up and they're like sitting on like some balcony or something and their knees are touching a little are bit, they which would Ooh. yeah yeah that, that totally went to my eye like whoa are, like if I that ever not, happens did not notice that <laughs> if that happens to me you and of course scoot away like oh that's right <laughs> but they didn't happened. scoot away did they no <laughs> uh, they just sat there with that electricity screaming through both of their bodies Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's sweet. I like their friendship. I like their relationship. I'm glad it's uh, still going strong, and I hope it flourishes. Um, yeah, I wonder if Nog is here in later seasons when you know Jake has grown up and he's like kind of you know a man in a few years. I would think. I wonder if Nog is is there too. I wonder how that's going to work because, as I mentioned earlier, I think that the actor who played Nog was actually older and kind of like, you know was an older guy playing a, a, a kid in some respects who, so he wouldn't grow up in the same way that uh, Jake would. However, I think that the Ferengi have much longer lifespans. So that would make sense if Nog was still a boy while Jake was growing up faster. Mm-hmm. Oh, that That's would be crazy if like mm-hmm. Nog's like, yeah, I've been ignorant for a hundred years. I'm a hundred years <laughs> old and this is my first time going to school because I lived to 400. <laughs> right. I know Nog might be like you know, 45 years old. Um, cause I think the Ferengi do live into their hundreds or two hundreds. Maybe. I mean, the grand Negus himself said, this is my first vacation in 85 years. Uh, um, so that implies that he's, you know, huh. at least a hundred, that hundred could be the solution to how they don't need literature. They don't need, uh, trust. If we just eventually live so long, we just outlive everybody else that we can be we become trustworthy again and scam people by just our old victim just dying and we move, <laughs> we outlive them maybe. 
Right. Uh, and yeah, we have time to learn everything by just watching it and just doing it by because we live so long. That could be it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Solved. Nice. Um, I only have one last clip. This is the a more funny one, which okay. <laughs> I can't like raise my red flag. Like, well, did he just say that? So it's where Quark was almost assassinated by like a bomb that uh, a bomb was heading towards him, and he just he ducked out of the way because he picked up a coin in time or something. And so mm-hmm. they're they're investigating. Yes. Okay. These are sorium and arginine traces. Aren't they Ferengi explosives? Exactly. What we have here is a Ferengi locator bomb designed to lock onto a target's pheromones. You mean they're attracted to body odor? Mm-hmm. <laughs> very deadly and very accurate. If Quark hadn't lowered his head at the last oh, second. Man. <laughs> yes, Odo, they're attracted to body odor. We know you think Quark stinks and they're a disgusting species. Just keep your racism to yourself. Yes, body odor. Okay? That was just like. I don't know. You could take, you just like, you could isolate that and him just, um, I don't know, joining conversations like, so you are, so are you attracted to body odor? <laughs> so like, you're attracted to body odor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm, good for and me. Mm, I thought that was just funny too. Cause I don't, I mean, I know, I guess pheromone is a scent as an odor that comes out of your body, but um, that's the, and its purpose is to attract, you know, you know, lovers, I think in all yeah. a- animal species on earth anyway. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting thing to write that this bomb is like a heat seeking bomb, uh, that is, you know, attracted to pheromones. So it's like a sexy bomb kind of Yeah, <laughs> wants, wants to get near you and blow you up. Yeah. It'd be funny if you, does. they sent it out and it, it does a U-turn and goes back to like the doctor's room and he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> he's like damn it right he's probably yeah he does not have the pheromones that he wish he did which is why he's so desperate harassing all the women on the base station and they're yeah. like uh no thank you doctor it's also um, funny how o'brien knows that this is a this is a hunter bomb or whatever very deadly very accurate except mm-hmm. in this case where it totally missed but not, uh it's you know. totally missed because he because the target moved slightly yeah <laughs> Yeah, like it's uh, I just that stuff always jumps out at me where someone says like, "Oh, you ate this." It's like it could be anything. You ate this food. It's the deadliest poison in the world. Except I'm talking to you now, so it's you know it's <laughs> it didn't get you, but you get my yeah. point. It's like you could just make it easier for saying. Usually these are totally accurate, but this one missed. Like that's a that's what it maybe should say. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a moment which immediately preceded this scene, uh, which is how Quark, you know, just sort of luckily evaded the bomb, mm. uh, because, uh, a coin fell on the floor and he bent over to pick up the coin. Yeah. So the bomb missed him, which is racist, right? Isn't that a racist moment? Cause there's such like money grubbing shysters. It's like, he sees a penny on the floor. Uh. He, Ooh, yummy, yummy, a penny. Yeah. So he bends over to pick up the penny because that's in his DNA to be so greedy. And, uh, the bomb detonates over his head and he is saved yeah it's funny too like someone writes i I thought that has to be so someone saved him right or there's a random coin rolling around like who's carrying coins on deep space nine i know we're still using coins um so okay we got this bomb that's gonna get him and he needs to bend over Uh, how's it well a coin someone who doesn't matter he just it rolls off a table and he has to get it it's just uh 
It's just <laughs> odd. It's like, why? Why? F- it was odd. And it was a strange moment because when the coin rolled up and the camera's like, you know, close in on it, it's like, well, that's conspicuous. Uh, it seemed to me that the coin was part of the assassination plot. Um, yeah. That somebody yeah, right. roll, rolled the coin over to, to uh, you know, distract Quark and while they grab him or something. But that wasn't not the case. Yep. Um, and I suppose it could be that there's coins in that vicinity because Quark's bar is kind of a casino also, I guess. Um, mm. But at the same time, you know, money doesn't exist in the 23rd century says you know other star trek shows but maybe the whole money aspect comes from of course the ferengi i guess yeah yeah of course Hmm. money exists but it's just not used on earth i guess yep um because it's a socialist utopia Mm mm-hmm yep so that's all i got uh okay um yeah just uh, what's your overall impression of the episode joe it obviously was not as unpleasant for you as the previous episode with the uh, alma rain and the gang of you know evil gamester tricksters so you enjoyed this episode more but would you say you enjoyed it oh no i was oh. i was more back to my <laughs> confused state where something is offered up and i'm again just like mm-hmm. wait what like like why does um O'Brien go so far in to believe and then he's convinced, okay, well, yeah, give me your homework or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um how do the vault how do the Ferengi not believe in education and like mm-hmm. uh believe in, you know, murdering your own family members for the sake of some profit? How why how how can they live like that? Um why does Cisco We've, he's built it up how he wants to get closer to his son and here's his chance to like, you know, influence him in a, in a good direction and he just like doesn't. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, there's a funny, another funny scene, I didn't clip it out though, where Dax, Dax gets finally a substantial scene where uh, right. she's not just the like, uh, you know, cute s- s- commenter on science stuff. Mm-hmm. She goes mm-hmm. back to her old advisory role to him. And so she goes to his house and Jake is late for dinner. And then she says, you should go find him. So so he leaves right. and then she starts eating the food <laughs> on the table. She just starts eating their dinner. <laughs> I'm like, well, why, why is she doing that? Because uh, she walks in the door like, oh, you're at dinner. I'll come back. But then as she comes in, she's right. like, oh, well, don't mind if I do. <laughs> I know. It's like he might have wanted to finish his dinner when he comes back. He's just going down the hall, for God's sake. Yep. But, you know, she's very close with uh, Disco. They've got a long-standing relationship. Yeah, and then I'm confused by the Nagus' death scene. <laughs> just, like, free- freezes in this <laughs> weird way. And uh, what's the other one? Um, yeah, again, that that test they're like you failed the test miserably it's like you were supposed to right. you were supposed to work for him you're supposed to work for him slowly get, accumulating information gathering gathering then you make your move and it's like so were you gonna after what five years then you're gonna come out of your coma and be like good job son you passed the <laughs> test <laughs> like, you're right i'm again i'm like well yeah. how do i what is how it how does that work <laughs> yeah. and by then he would have like been yeah cork would have been reigning negus for five years yeah um <laughs> you're right you're right yeah that's the, the all these things you're mentioning they're logist they're they're logical sort of errors and flaws 
which do trip me up also. If something's not clear, uh, it's distracting. It's distracting yeah, I, from the show or the movie, and that's you know that's 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 that's, <laughs> that's dreaded. That's something to avoid at all cost when you're making TV and movies. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then yeah, that's my thing. That's what. <laughs> yeah. That's what I. Yeah, I, but I just... you know, we did address a lot of these issues you, you talked about, and I think came up with uh, good logical solutions in our heads for them, um, such as you know the. You know, the Ferengi's long, long lives, maybe, or why they can have these, uh, you know, elements to their character that wouldn't work for humans, but maybe it works for them because they live to 300 years old or whatever. And, um, yeah, so I'm a little more forgiving, I think. I was just happy that it was uh, more entertaining than the previous episode, which was which was real bad and real obnoxious. Mm. Um, this one I appreciated more. Uh Wallace Shawn was fun. I like him. I liked the cinematic sort of odes that were in there with the Godfather and the Princess Bride. Those were fun, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, there was even a, a moment that I think you would appreciate. You didn't clip it, but you know what? I'm going to play it for you because it's uh, one of the elements of the show that you've always appreciated. You almost have a dedicated segment to it on most of our podcasts. Um, so I'm glad I grabbed it for you. I'm going to play it for you. And uh, this is a treat for you. All right. I hope it uh, brightens your brightens your evening a little bit. Here you go. Chief, I just heard Airlock 9 is jammed again. I'll get a crew on it immediately, Commander. Hanson Jones? Jesus, what's next? Busting so, the house all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll muddle through, I imagine. <laughs> on County the days till Keiko gets... So, Cisco's got him filling in for his wife, you know, in the classroom, on top of keeping the spaceship working. And so the boss walks up and is like, and what did he say? The turbo lift is broken or something? Yeah. He's like, uh, there's this thing needs to be fixed uh, on the other side of the space station. What the hell? Meanwhile, O'Brien's like got his hands full. He's in like a ditch on the space station with wrenches in his hand, like he's actively working on fixing it. And he says, "Okay, I'll get right on it." And then Cisco like engages in chit chat, small talk with him, uh, distracting him from getting the work done. Yeah. Um, oh. So I just thought I'd play that for you as a classic. Uh, why are you breaking my balls? Moment. Yeah. For uh, O'Brien because he's always getting his balls busted by somebody. I thought I thought that was a kind of maybe how it should be because he's there doing something and he's got a, a worker mm-hmm. with him and Cisco's like, hey, the way he said it also was like, hey, do you know about this? He's like, oh yeah, I know about it. You, do it. <laughs> and the other guy, the other guy <laughs> right, has to he go delegates. do it. The only thing I thought that was weird in that scene was where he's climbing out of this compartment. Like he's like hip deep in this compartment thing. He tries mm-hmm. to climb out and then he, uh, by hand, he, he, Cisco and him reach for each other's hands to help him out. And uh, mm-hmm. that way of helping someone um, from below you uh, seemed like awkward <laughs> to me. Like you would actually pull someone down if you, if you did it that way. Right. Uh, right. You should like get their arm or something or I don't know. He doesn't, it, I don't know. This was a bizarre, that's the only thing I remember. It didn't, uh, yeah, the physics of it were bothering him. Yeah. <laughs> and again, it's a, it's a logical flaw. It's one of those logical flaws that's a snag while you watch it. So they should have blocked it out a little differently had, uh, you know, Cisco kind of adjust his stance to give himself a little more leverage to help him out. Um, yeah, something was yeah. weird about it. These, these little things. We need to get you on a movie set so you can make all these corrections. Um, mm, no. <laughs> no, I know, I know. It's hard. It's hard work, and uh, I should give offer a little disclaimer for our listeners here that uh, you know we're critical of the show, but it's like you know that's the point of it. There's a uh, whole degrees in film and television criticism, um, you know that you can get in colleges. 
Uh, but, you know, we do appreciate how difficult it is, um, especially on a TV show like this where they probably have, like, a week to shoot an episode rather than, you know, like, say, me, for instance, when I make my films, uh, which are perfect and don't have these logical flaws. Um, just kidding, of course. But still, we've got more time. We've got a lot more time. We've got years to get it just right, uh, to prepare to make this thing, because it's, you know, it's a labor of love and it's an art rather than, you know a business for a lot of folks like me because you don't make a lot of money making these movies. You do it because you want to and you've got a lot of time. But doing a show like this where you got to crank out an episode in a week and, you know, 40 episodes in a season, uh, you don't have all the time in the world to get everything just right. So we appreciate that it's uh, it's difficult. And uh, for that reason, I like to give to the benefit of, a, benefit of the doubt while I watch. Um, and it does make me appreciate other shows even more, like Next Generation, for being so consistently excellent. Um, running on the same sort of, you know, uh, crammed TV shooting schedule as shows like this do. So. Yeah, like, I just, I don't know. I'm always like, why did he do that? Why did they, <laughs> why did they leave that in? <laughs> why, why did Odo say it? Like, why did they tell Odo say it like that? Like, like, uh, so it's attracted to body odor. <laughs> like, like, yes. like, did he see that in his script? And like, I'm supposed to say this? <laughs> like, <laughs> and like, yeah, I that, know. That's the yeah, line. That's- that's a little first drafty is what I would call it. Um, yeah. Cause like trust your viewer and you know, trust them to know what a pheromone is. I think we all pretty much do. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's not even correct either. Cause pheromones aren't exactly body odor. They're not like pheromones are not really even supposed to be something that humans realize that they're sensing from somebody else. Right. I don't like body. I don't body know. Odor like pheromones I are different think, things, aren't they? I think now, uh, you know, pheromones are, I think are released right by animals, but mm-hmm. I want to say I've seen things where like insects release them too. And so they sense them with their like antennas when they like touch each other. And those right. are what send messages. And so like, I don't know. But then if animals release it, they, you know, of course they're smelling each other. So I don't know. I don't even know. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I don't well, we'll care. do a little research and uh, find the answers. Yeah. Uh, maybe update our listeners on our next episode. Speaking of our next episode. Um, so was this episode our 10th episode of the podcast? Yep. Uh, technically, well, technically. 10th made, but maybe ninth released. But I don't know. Right, right. Well, I'm going to call this our 10th episode. Um, and in celebration of this, our 10th episode, Joe, I think I'm going to treat the podcast to an updated version of the jingle, Oh, opening and closing jingle. I think I'm going to get in and tweak it a little bit and add a couple little things, a little, uh, sonic nuggets that, that I'll pull out from episodes, moments that we liked a lot. Wow. And, uh, we'll treat our listeners to that for episode 11. Oh, okay. <laughs> which will be forthcoming. Although I suppose I could do it and you could put it on this one, but no, that, that's too much of a time crunch. I don't like deadlines. All right. As I said before, I like to take years and years to do my creative things. Um, so I think I'll do that. I'll update the jingle and I'll send you a draft and let you weigh in. Tell me if you like it. All right. And uh, perhaps listeners will be uh, uh, able to hear it on episode 11 of DS9 Time with Joe and Thomas. All right. That's going to do it for this one. See you all Thanks, Joe. next time. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Do you realize how incredible this is? Welcome to DS9. It's a podcast. (laughs) 